glorious devotees. Shigodia Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai, Shijiva Goswami Ki Jai, Sat Sandarbhas Ki Jai, Anantakota Vaishnav Vrindiki Jai. So we're going to continue with our discussion of Sri Jiva Goswami's Satsandarvas. Uh, we're still laying the groundwork based on the Tattva Sandarbha, which is basically the first, first of the six uh, Sandarvas. And it, it, it provides the, an introduction to the entire Sandarbha presentation. We left off in our last discussion um, with the Mangala Charna verses, and we had got up to the qualifications of the student, and we discussed to some extent uh, the, the fact that we have to kind of check our ego at the door. Uh, even if you're coming, if you're coming from a devotional attitude and you are striving to become Lord Krishna's devotee, um, of course, what this means is we have to be willing to leave our egoic preconceived um, conceptions uh, aside. Uh, in order to dive deeply into uh, a wholehearted hearing of the Sandarbhas as Sri Jiva Goswami is presenting them. So in, and if we're coming to the Sandarbhas simply from an, uh, a state of inquiry, of inquiring into what, what is this great literary contribution of a, of a spiritual uh, personality putting forth the uh, ideas of a, of a Sampradaya uh, in Indian liter uh, lineage uh, for such scholars, uh, if they want to really attain anything of merit out of their hearing and reading of the Sandarbhas, uh, they need to also make a full-hearted plunge free of um, free of, of of any preconceived notion in other words they have to have a true interest in what's being presented here so both for uh, the Vaishnav community and also for uh, those that are simply inquiring uh, for a first time uh, due to some intellectual um, interest uh, this this deep taking deeply um, what's going to be presented um, is is going to be key to to understanding what Jiva Goswami is offering on behalf of, of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Gaudiya Vaishnav Guru Parampara. So that was the seventh Anucheda, and we will continue again, just an overview uh, with the Tattva Sandarva, which is an introduction to the whole presentation. Um, 
it can be the Tatvasandarbha itself can be broken up into three basic areas. The first is, of course, the invocation, which is the Mangala Charna, which comprises of verses in, in praise of the uh, of one spiritual master. In uh, it also comprises of, of benedictions, blessings to the those that are taking up the process of inquiry uh, through the literature. And uh, also it presents um, the presentation, what's gonna be put forth in, 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 a, in, a, in a particular uh, book or presentation. So the Mangala Charna has these three parts. And then from the Mangala Charna, we also go to what is the essence of the Tattva Sandarbha. And the Tattva Sandarbha gives us two primary focuses. Um, how do we attain reliable knowledge regarding spirituality? Um, commonly known uh, is, as epistemology. Um, we also refer to it uh, through the Sanskrit term praman. What what are the sources of knowledge that we put our uh, our inquiries into? And then the book concludes with uh, what is knowable, prameya, uh, the ontology. So once we know how we can acquire reliable knowledge, then the next step is well. What are we inquiring about? So leaving off where we did with the Mangala Charna putting forth the qualification of the student, uh, we'll go on from there. I wanted to share one verse. Uh, regarding the four elements of any literature, um, according to uh, according to, to knowledgeable uh, to knowledgeable pres presentations. Um, so let's look take a look at a uh, a slide here in that regard. And this is the four essential elements of a book. Uh, Anubanda Chatustaya. In the beginning of an educational text, four elements must certainly be enumerated. Like the criteria of eligibility for study of the book, Adhikari, and that we've discussed a little bit, the verse was put forth in the Mangala Charna regarding eligibility. The relation between the book as signifier of its subject and the subject itself as the signified, sambandha. So uh, that makes perfect sense. The book is going to signify something no matter what its subject is. And then what is the subject? Uh, how is it going to do that? So what is the relation between the book, what it's speaking about? And then uh, 
the subject to be known through the investigative inquiry, Visaya or Abhideya. What's the goal of, of inquiry uh, through the agency of the uh, literature? And the book's purpose, Bryogen. Um, the value to be actualized by the reader inquiring, inquirer through assimilation of the teaching. What are you going to get out of it? Uh, unless there's something of value, um, why would we take time <clears throat> in any course of inquiry? Of course, there's recreational reading <laughs> of many books, but um, here we're speaking about, about a literature that's, that's meant to, uh, to give us some true insight into uh, a subject matter which we have interest in. So where we left off, this book may be studied only by one whose sole aspiration is to worship the lotus feet of Sri Krishna. All others are forewarned as to the implications of this investigation. And really the forewarning, what is the forewarning? If you're not going to make uh, an inquiry uh, free of any preconceived notions or free of any um, overriding bias uh, from, from prior uh, uh, from prior, uh, what do we want to say, uh, stands uh, that you've, you've taken on a particular subject, unless you're going to be open and uh, in, that, in, in, in the inquiry, uh, you're not going to be fully satisfied. Um, I believe it is Jiva Goswami himself uh, that points out that there are different kinds of discussions. And uh, uh, one of the discussions is in which is an open-hearted discussion where everyone's looking to attain further enlightenment. And then there's other discussions where uh, the bias is so much that one of, one of the speakers or one of the presenters or even the inquirer, uh, he wants to make his position uh, foremost, and he'll, he wants to win at all costs. So uh, inquiry, Jiva's saying here, I'm interested in, in Vada discussion here. If you're interested, then this book will, will give you some, some real value in, a spiritual, in, in your spiritual inquiry into the nature of, of the Supreme. And uh, specifically Lord Krishna, and, uh, and leave, the, leave the ego at the door, leave the ego aside. So he goes on in his uh, Mangalacharna, uh, and we'll just go through these quickly, the seventh Anucheta, after offering obeisances to my initiating guru, and to those spiritual teachers who taught me the meaning of Srimad Bhagavatam, I wish to write this book called Sri Bhagavat Sandarbha. So again, what's the subject of the book? The subject of the book is Lord Krishna and 
the Bhagavat Sandarbha is, is about, about the utilization of the Bhagavat Purana, Srimad Bhagavatam, as the main means of spiritual revelation when it comes to um, finding out the nature of our being and the nature of the Supreme Being and everything in between. So, this brings us to his next Anucheta, which is the last Anucheta of the Mangalacharna. And this is giving what is the, what is to be put forth? What is, what is the purpose of the book? What are we going to discuss in this presentation? In one feature, Sri Krishna as pure consciousness without any manifest characteristics. And I'm sorry, misread that. In one feature, Sri Krishna exists as pure consciousness without any manifest characteristic and, and is referred to as Brahman in some portions of the Vedas. In another feature, he expands as the Purusha who regulates the extrinsic potency, Maya, by his many plenary portions. In yet another of his principal forms, he is Narayan, resplendent in the spiritual sky by Kuntha. May that Sri Krishna, the original complete absolute truth, Swayam Bhagavan, bestow love for himself on those who worship his lotus feet in this world. So this verse contains the, the seed conception of the ma major ideas, the thesis that's going to be unpacked and completely elaborated on in the Sandarbhas. And we notice a great similarity between this verse. If we look, we'll find here's the source of this material coming from the Bhagavat, the Vedanta verse. Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti, Sabjate, the great inquirers into the absolute truth have perceived that absolute truth variously according to their angles of vision. Some are seeing the absolute truth is complete as Brahman, Brahmati, some as Paramatma, Paramatmati, and some as Bhagavan, Bhagavaniti, Subjate. So they know the absolute truth in these different ways according to uh, the methodology that they employ uh, in their spiritual pursuit. are here. So this one verse, I just want to do an overview here. Uh, today in this class, there's going to be a lot of reading. <laughs> um, I'm going to share, uh, share a lot of the introduction to the epistemology, the, the, the nature of properly approaching this in Darbus and and acquiring an appreciation for the methodology 
of acquiring realization through the utilization of Sri Jiva Goswami's Satsandarbhas. What is he basing his, his presentation on and how, we, how free of any egoic uh, approach, can we truly enter into the heart of it and get the most out of it? So we, we, we find in the first four Sandarbhas, which deal with Sambandha Gyan, that there are two primary verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam that, that comprise the basis for these, the Sambandha Gyan. And the first we just went over, Varanti tat tat vavidas tatvam yanam advayam prameti paramatmeti bhagavaniti subjate that the that the absolute truth is viewed differently by different people that are seeking out knowledge of the absolute truth and realization of the same. And the second verse is if we're going to really look to the topmost conception of that absolute truth, the true key is here in the very first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishnas to Bhagavan Swayam. This is the Pariva Sutra. This is the shining lamp by which everything in the Bhagavat Purana needs to be seen. So if we see someplace else in the Bhagavat Purana, and Jiva will go on in his introduction in the Tattva Sandarva to point out that the Bhagavat Purana is the light that lights up all the other literatures. So the light of scripture that lights up all other scriptures is Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavat Purana. And the inner light of the Bhagavat Purana is these few syllables, Krishnas to Bhagavan Swayam. If we hear anything in another scripture that does not, is not lit up with the overall conception put forth in the Bhagavat Purana, which Jiva Goswami is going to completely school us in, then we have to, uh, we have to, we have to say, well, that whatever was presented there needs to be seen in the light of Srimad Bhagavatam. This is the true, this is the conception. This is what the author himself Srila Vyasudev wrote as his mature commentary on all the, all the literature, the spiritual uh, insights that he gave to humanity, whether they came in the, in the four Vedas, whether they came in the fifth Veda, the Mahabharata, um, and the other Puranas. Everything there was completely illuminated through his revelation, which he gave to us in the form of 
the Bhagavat Purana after taking shelter of his spiritual master's uh, instruction. As you know, he felt some despondency. He'd given everything to the world that he could in, in, in these literatures, but still just didn't feel quite right. And therefore, he met with Narada. He entered into Samadhi. The Bhagavat Purana is called a Samadhi Bhashya. It is an explanation of his spiritual revelation in Samadhi, where he directly had experience of Bhagavan Sri Krishna, Swayam Bhagavan, the topmost manifestation of the Supreme Lord. So this inner heart uh, of the Bhagavatam, just, just for one more idea, we'll find there's various Puranas written for various members of human society under various levels of the influence of the modes. And sometimes a Purana will say, Lord Shiva is the supreme personality. Well, okay, so this is a scripture the Shiva Purana or whatever Purana may put forth such a statement. It's still Shastra, so therefore do we accept it? Yes, we accept it, but we accept it utilizing the light of the Bhagavat Purana and specifically the inner light of the heart of the Bhagavat Purana, this Parivasutra Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam. So now we come to the beginning of the actual. The Mangalacharna is now completed, and and Jiva Goswami is continuing uh, with the necessity of the epistemological validity uh, for for our inquiry. We need to. What, why, and how uh, do we approach, and what does the, what do the Sundarbas have to offer? So in the first half of this Anucheda, ninth Anucheda, uh, we're now entering into the second subject of the book, epistemology, Praman, what is the evidence that the book's gonna use, in order to establish what? It's, it's subject, the object of the book, uh, the permit. So he says there, four topics were suggested in the verse from the previous Acheda. Sri Krishna is the subject, Messiah, of the book, and the book's relation, Sambandha, to him is that of signifier, Vachika, to the signified, Vachya devotional turning of all the facilities to him, bhajan, is what is meant to be enacted in all circumstances. That which is to be done, or the duty, also known as abhideya. And unconditional love for him is the ultimate completion of such devotional turning of consciousness, prayojan. 
Now, in order to investigate these four topics, we should first determine a means of valid knowing, praman, by which these topics can be ascertained. So I am now going to go and share with you a few pages in regards to this epistemology of the Bhagavad Purana, which to me, more than anything I've read of late, um, highlight and the, the nature of true spiritual inquiry. Um, they're eloquently written. And what, what comes to mind is, if you recall the conversation with, between Ramananda Roy and Sri Chaitanya, in the beginning, Sri Chaitanya, no matter what Ramananda Roy presented and the scriptural evidence he gave, as requested by Lord Chaitanya to support it, uh, Lord Chaitanya <clears throat> said, that's external. Please go on. Something more. No, that's external. And finally, he came to a place where he, he no longer said that it's, it was an external. When he was saying, Lord, it's external, meaning this is more or less an external religious viewpoint. This, this, has, this is covered by, uh, by some other motivation. And then he came to, the, to this line uh, where Ramananda Roy replied, Rai Kahe, Jana Sunyabhakti, Sajjasara. Ramananda Roy replied, devotional service independent of mundane logic and empiric philosophy. This is the essence of the perfection of life. Here, Lord Chaitanya's, he no longer said external. He now accepted, oh, now we're, now we're, now we're getting somewhere. We're setting aside uh, mundane logic. Uh, we're setting aside uh, empiric philosophy. And we're, we can enter into the heart of, of what is devotion. And as you know from that important conversation, then Ramananda Roy finally leads Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu into the various loving relationships that the living entity can have with the supreme absolute truth. So this is significant. And this is where Jiva Goswami begins to school us in what is the inquiry of the Sandarbhas, that we need to set aside this Gyan 
an approach to spirituality which is is not based on a wholehearted turning of consciousness as as he has been said so there are quite a few um slides that i hope i'm going to read and i want you to read along with me and we we'll discuss a little after each one but i think you'll see and it, it's kind of hard we always hear it's it's so hard to express the spiritual ideas um uh, properly in english and we know that uh, Guru Maharaj is so expert, and others, you know, it's a it's a real talent. It's it's it takes some real uh, some real skill to express in the English language the heart of of spirituality that the the, the sadhus have to share with us. So here is such an example of that heart sharing um, in an English language that uh, should be of um, great benefit to us just reading the flow of the words and how it's presented. So the topic of epistemology is indispensable to an investigation of truth. In other words, if you're looking for truth, you need to have a basis for putting your faith in, in what you're hearing. So somebody's got to be able to convince you that what they're putting forth is reliable. Otherwise, why would you want to take your time to hear from them? For how can we claim to know anything in truth if our means of knowing it be flawed or uncertain, it, re it would remain at best an approximation subject to further review. So before embarking on a deliberation of the core truths of Sambandha, Abhideya and Prayojan, it is critical that a valid praman or means of valid knowing be ascertained. At the time of Jiva Goswami's writing, the orthodox schools of Indian philosophy, darshans, based their metaphysics primarily on the authority of the Vedas, considering them to be divine sound revelation, sruti or sabda. So the subject of epistemology comes to focus solely on the discussion of a scriptural line of authority stemming from the Vedas. Jiva Goswami extends the discussion a step further by logically and spiritually propounding Srimad Bhagavatam as the definitive portion of the fifth Veda, which reveals the inner meaning of the Vedas. Apparently, on this foundation alone, the epistemological inquiry is determined to be complete. What's being said here is at the time 
of the presentation of this school of spirituality in that social setting, the Indian philosophies, the darshans, were based on the metaphysics of the of of the Vedas, and there are very various schools of thought that looked at the Vedas and used them as their basis. And if they're orthodox, if they're theistic, um, there are there are different ones. But of all those, uh, the Vedic school is the most appreciated in that social setting of the day. And then, as I said in the last discussion, along comes Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and turns the current thoughts of the day gradually on their head. Before the advent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, even though Srila Vyasadeva had presented the Bhagavat Purana 500 years prior, I'm sorry, 5,000 years prior, after uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I mean, Sri Krishna had departed, still the methodology for putting forth a school of spiritual thought was based upon uh, the threefold highway, Prastana Trayi. Basically, the different schools of thought based their metaphysic on the, the founders' commentaries, primarily on the Vedanta Sutra, the essence of all the Vedas in, a, in, in sutra form, Bhagavad Gita, and the Ten Principal Upanishads. And along comes Sri Chaitanya, and he introduces his school of thought. And he puts forth through his disciples, through his instructions to them, that the Bhagavat Purana is the topmost Purana. Let's just look. It just makes sense. The Bhagavat Purana was given to us after the mature spiritual revelation of the author of all the Vedas, Srila Vyasadeva himself. It's his topmost contribution because it is his mature commentary. Let us go on. But if this is the case, then of what relevance can such an apparent epistemological reduction be to the disciplines of modern philosophy, psychology, phenomenology, I don't know if I'm saying that right, phenomen knowledge, uh, conscious study, quantum physics, and so on. Indeed, of what relevance is it for any modern reader inquire outside of an insular group of believers? The answer to these questions will lead us into deeper epistemological evaluation. It's a good point. Who would want to read this book that's based on these old books and 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 soul and and the soul focus is is one Purana coming out of India? Come on, there's so much thought in the world. Why would we want to go there to seek out the ultimate in truth, the ultimate in the truth regarding psychology, regarding the regarding consciousness, 
uh, why go there? It doesn't, it doesn't seem to make any sense. This introduction continues. First of all, looking beyond the apparent reduction. In other words, Shiva Goswami, the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, they're reducing, reduce, taking a reductionist viewpoint and saying, everything's in this one book. This one book can give you everything. But looking beyond the apparent reduction, one that would seemingly require a trans-empirical leap of faith, a more profound and certain means of knowing is implied in the concept of revealed sound. Oh, there's something more here than just a literary book. It's revealed sound. Subda. Oh, what's that mean? Other pramans, such as perception and inference, which are the primary ways of acquiring knowledge in this world of man, what we see with our senses and what we come away with and how we think about what we perceived gives us inferences based on a hundred different lines of thought. Our possible means, other permans, such as perception and inference, are possible means of valid knowing within the range of operations that define their respective limits effectively the quantifiable and the thinkable. Subda, on the other hand, signifies a supercognitive sound potency or logos that is transhuman, a parousia, beyond human sound, and thus beyond the limitations of language and thought that is self-existing and self-revealing, swayam prakash, and thus trans-empirical, and that is disclosed to consciousness directly, saksad upalabda, without mediation through any other conditional mode of knowing. I could melt into these words. <laughs> They're so revealing. Understood in this sense, subda implies an innate potency of primordial consciousness itself, the supreme conscious foundation and source. It not only signifies reality in the manner of conceptual logical formulation, but is identical with that reality. I mean, this is revolutionary, what's being said here. This, this subda is something beyond any form of, of acquiring of knowledge that we're accustomed to in our conditional lives. The sound vibration itself has its own agenda, as Guru Maharaj says. It has its own, it, it goes beyond anything that we're accustomed to. Reality in the manner or conceptual or logical formulation, but is identical with that reality. It is thus one specific 
reality potency through which consciousness discloses itself. So Subda points to an epistemological mode of knowing that transcends perception and inference. This mode of knowing does not so much involve an effort or intent to know any sort of object, internal or external, or the part of a subject. Rather, it is an intruding, I'm sorry, an interning of consciousness toward its own source prior to any conditional subject-object divide. What is this saying? This, this is itself Gyan, Sunya, Bhakti, Bhakti beyond a Gyan point of reference, but it's Gyan in the highest sense of the term itself. So by its own self-relevatory power, Subda, which effectuates the turning of this, becomes identical with such turning. It may thus be understood as knowledge through conscious identity and not conceptual knowledge about. That's an important concept. Not a, it's not knowledge about. It's knowledge through revelation. Our conscious identity, our turning of consciousness towards the subject is beyond simply an acquisition of knowledge, an outgoing acquisition of knowledge. It's a revelation of knowledge. That is Sabda Brahman. The existence of such a direct mode of knowing has been the common experience reported by realized mystics of all traditions throughout recorded history. This adds weight to the argument that this mode of knowing cannot be reduced merely to a subjective experience of a limited knower or a limited tradition, if we could go so far as to say, or a limited sect <laughs> or limiting in any way. No, spirituality is, this is, this is coming from a different plane altogether. Of course, there's specificity that's coming, but that's that's further down the the path of of spiritual revelation based on the the heart of the inquirer as they proceed this adds weight to the argument that this mode of knowledge cannot be reduced merely to the subjective experience of a limited knower rather it has been recognized by those who have known it as primordial subjectivity itself prior to identification or involvement with any conditional knower and known. 
I'll continue if you allow. It must be noted, however, that for its higher epistemological capacity to be activated, one must rise above belief and disbelief. Whoa, wait a minute. I mean, off the charts, off the intellectual map, I have to leave my beliefs and disbeliefs at the door? I have to leave all everything if I really want to enter into this and have it activate my inner consciousness and let me experience something beyond the world I inhabit? I have to leave that also at the door? In the true sense of the term, belief can have application only when reality is not directly known through identity and pure consciousness. You can use your belief when you haven't yet had realization. It's the beginning. Adao, shraddha, tata sadhu, sangotha, bhajana, kriya. We do begin on faith. We hear and we develop some faith. But here we're talking about entering into the mysteries of spirituality and something much deeper is being revealed. So when we don't have that direct knowledge, only when that reality is not directly known through identity and pure consciousness, only when the believing subject is the phenomenal self identified with perceptions, cognitions, effects, and conation. For the conventional practitioner or worshiper, however, dedicated devotion is enacted still from the separate self-sense, prithak bhava, of a conditional subject trying to know some ultimate object through willful efforts of the mind and body. That's called sadhana bhakti. There's some effort involved. Sometimes it's some very extreme efforts. Give this up, give that up. Only here, only act this way, get up early, chant this number of rounds, on and on it goes. It's like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to get there? But it's useful. It gets it it, it starts us, it's it's putting us on the path in the in the right direction. But what's being spoken of here is the reality to be perceived in our own inner consciousness. And we get glimpses of that along the path. And it leads us to, to absorption in this methodology of thinking that's being revealed here, that Jiva's opening the door to, opening the door for us here now. Let's take a look at how to utilize this Bhagavat Purana to the utmost capacity so that we can truly enter into what it has to offer. And what is it? It is the topmost 
Rasik Shastra. It doesn't get better than the Bhagavat Purana. And as I said in our last discussion from that Purana, so many from the son of the Bhagavat Purana, what's coming? So many flares of spiritual insight in so many other literatures coming from those who are having a direct contact with this spiritual revelation. For such a person, subda then, even though believed in as divine revelation, is reduced to a level of knowledge about reality. It can just as easily be disbelieved because it is unknowable and hence unprovable through logic and perception. What is that stage? We want to get to this stage of Nishta, Ruchi, Asakti, these upper stages of, of Sadhana Bhakti practice will get us beyond the possibility of it can be just as easily be disbelieved. Because in the beginning, sometimes we run hot, sometimes we run cold, go to Vishwanath, Madhurya, Kadambani, all these different stages of practice where our prior conditioning is having an effect on our current practice and it's pulling us here and there, this way and that way, sometimes running hot, sometimes running cold, sometimes thinking, this is the solution to my spiritual life. No, this is solution. Let me become a renunciate. No, let me become a householder and get it out of my system. So again, we could go back to that, that very concise directive by Vishwanath in Madhurya Kadamani. It must be known directly in consciousness, which is to say that by the turning of consciousness upon its source, Sabda is enabled to self-manifest the reality with which it is identical. This Bhagavat Purana is Krishna incarnate, Krishna's manifest he, he, he no longer was manifest in human society, and he moved into the Bhagavat Purana. And there the ras could be had, the taste for his association could be fully quenched by those coming later. What is suggested here for epistemological consideration is merely the allowance for the possibility of such a trans phenomenon phenomenal mode of knowing, for its actual existence can be known for certain only by one in whom it is awakened. Okay, just give me a chance, is what the book's saying, the Sandarbas. Give me a chance. Just make a sincere inquiry, leave your ego at the door, and something may awaken that's beyond your, your world of sensuality the world. It, the possibility is there. Entertain the possibility, and then you can, then that is the qualification for entrance into a study of the Bhagavat. 
The elaboration of the entire process is intended precisely to actualize this possibility. Therefore, subja, subda as praman implies far more than mere belief in spiritual authority. It refers rather to the direct of a person transcending the instruments. The subda entails a superior grade of direct perception conveyed in linguistic form for the cognition of one who is eligible and available to such an experience. Can we just make ourselves put ourselves there? Then the then the, the possibility is, is open. The reader is invited to rise beyond belief and disbelief and the source of both, which is egoic identification. We're invited to know reality immediately, apprehending it in perfect identity with the mode of knowing of the Bhagavat's original speaker and author. When received in this way, Sabda becomes not epistemological reduction, but epistemological transmutation and expansion. He concludes this Anicheta, the second part of the Anicheta. In this regard, just a little, just, just to remind you where you're coming from, in this regard, perception, inference, and other such methods are deficient because human beings are prone to four defects. How, why, why would you want to rely on anything but subda? Look at what you're, you're at a disadvantage out of the gate if you want to take another approach to, acquire, to acquiring knowledge, what to speak of spiritual knowledge, what to speak of entering into the world of revelation. We're subject to delusion. We make mistakes. We're liable to misrepresentational biases. That's cheating. <laughs> and our senses are limited in functional capacity. Furthermore, these methods of acquiring knowledge are not at all suited to approach the transcendental entity whose nature is inherently inconceivable and beyond phenomenality. So that gives us a little introduction into the epistemology of um, that's going to be employed. Um, what is the basis of the knowing that's utilized by Jiva Goswami? And he'll go on in setting the foundation in this Tattva Sandarbha for the giving validity to the Bhagavat Purana as being the primary Purana, uh, the primary source for spiritual inquiry. And uh, we'll touch upon that uh, in the next class and move on to this, what's knowable, Lord Sri Krishna. Uh, and then we'll go on to some uh, overview of the Bhagavat Purana. Paramatmas 
I'm sorry, Bhagavat Sandarbha, Paramatma Sandarbha, and we'll bring us to the to the feet of the Krishna Sandarbha, where we'll do a little more in-depth um, exploration as we've been requested to do so in this series of uh, lectures. So if anyone has a question, there's a minute left. <laughs> you can unmute yourself. I think I can hear you, please. And if there is no question, I'll assume that uh, I'll thank you so much for your association and hope that you return uh, to more of these presentations. Uh, it's a great privilege to, uh, to do this on uh, behalf of uh, Sri Chaitanya Sangha. Do all for Yes. Mitra yes. um, wants to know, what epistemology means? It's the the the, the basis, the historical basis uh, for any knowledge. So epistemology is the study of and present presentation of that basis upon which a school of knowledge put forth. That makes sense. He said no. <laughs> Did you say no? Sort of. He said sort of. Okay, well. This is a term a lot. He said that you use the term a lot, so he kind of wanted to, uh, yeah. Epistemology is, is where like let's let's take for example what what is what we're speaking about here is the epistemology of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. What what we have a school of knowledge. So what do we base that knowledge upon? So that's the epistemological basis. Epistemology is what is the basis. What are you basing your knowledge upon? And that, that's what the term refers to. Like you may go to a, a university and, and they, would, they would set up, a, you know, they would have a, they would put forth different schools of knowledge in a university. So in those different schools, they would have sources that they would rely upon as viable, as reliable, as conclusive, and that would set their school apart. All right? So it would distinguish. So what distinguishes your, your understanding? What is your school of thought based upon? That's the cosmology. That yeah. makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, this will start to feedback if I bring it in here. 
Uh, are we did? No. Oh, hey. So kind of the philosophical structural framework and the history that led to our understanding. Yes, and what's so significant about Gaudiya Vaishnavism is it's it's a school of thought it's that the purpose of it is to attain spiritual insight, understanding, uh, resulting in revelation. So prior schools of Vaishnav thought, theistic schools of Vaishnav thought were based upon um, the Vedas, of course, but their approach to the Vedas was based on, as we spoke, the Prastana Trai, which was the, the primary teacher within that school of thought, which we call a Sampradaya, would put forth the commentary on Bhagavad Gita, the Vedanta Sutra, and he would comment on the, the principal Upanishads. So that was the Prastana Trai. So if you go to the Ramanuja Sampradaya, the Madhva Sampradaya, the Balava Sampradaya, the Barkas, all of them gave commentaries primarily on Vedanta Sutra. But along comes Shaitanya and he says, why are they relying on these, these, this approach of Bhagavad Gita? The author himself, Srila Vyasadeva, wrote the most comprehensive commentary on everything that he put forth to human society, and he presented it when he rewrote the Srimad Bhagavatam under the direction of Narda after he had a revelation. He entered into Samadhi and he had experience of Krishna directly. Then he came back out and he wrote us the Srimad Bhagavatam. So Sri Chaitanya, when he advented, he put forth the Srimad Bhagavatam as the primary praman for our Vaishnav school of thought. It turned everything up on its head for hundreds of years. It's always been the Vedanta Sutra commentary of a of an Acharya and the, and the Gita commentary. So all these other major schools, you know, of, of spiritual thought based upon the Vedas were all of a sudden confronted with, well, here's this new sect of, of, of Vaishnavs and they're not accepting the standard. Well, they must not be bona fide. So therefore, Lord Chaitanya instructed his disciples, the Goswamis, make my religion bona fide. Give it some, go out, sit right, and, and, and make, make Gaudiya Vaishnavism, which is based upon a personal relationship with Krishna, make it valid in the world. And still, there were even some Vaishnavs who, even after seeing the writings of the Goswamis, were not satisfied. So they went to the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, the leaders, and they said, well, if you really want to be accepted, you need to give us at least a, we need a commentary in the Vedanta Sutra. Where's your commentary on Vedanta Sutra? You have none. Yes, we do. The Bhagavad, 
Purana, the Srimad Bhagavatam, is the mature commentary of the Vedanta Sutra. No, 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 no. You have to follow the standard that's been there for hundreds of years. Okay. Baladev. Baladev, you please present this. The other Goswami said, no, I'm not going to take time to do that. <laughs> Baladev, please, you do this. And what do we have? We have the Govinda Vashya. Here is our commentary on Vedanta Sutra according to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Now you have it. Are we interested? Are we interested? Well, of course we're interested in what Baladev has to say. He's a Gaudiya Vaishnav. But our primary Pramana did not switch to the Vedanta Sutra because we wrote a commentary on it and presented it as the Gaudiya commentary. Our primary Pramana remains Srimad Bhagavatam. It's the mature, mature commentary by the author itself. That is the epistemological basis of our Gaudiya Vaishnav tradition. That's what epistemology means. Does that help? Yeah, now I can throw that word around. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, Vyasadev, Prabhupada writes in the commentary, Vyasadev himself was dissatisfied with Vedanta Sutra. So what can the followers of Vedanta Sutra expect to find if the author himself is dissatisfied after writing it? Very good point, of course, yes. And that was what Sri Chaitanya was Hare Krishna, thank you so much for your association. Thank you, Dulal. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.